Hey, this is Carrie. We're still on hiatus, and despite my best efforts, Amy is still making me record openers when we're supposed to be off doing other things. <laughs> and I'm Amy. I enjoy making Carrie do things she doesn't really want to do for her best interests. But this week, we've got a twofer when Carrie and I recorded episodes with Mel and David from Strong Sense of Place podcast for their shorter Library of Lost Time episodes. I was on one, and then Carrie was on another. And for this episode we are combining them for the week remember that in season 10 which uh we'll have a new episode next week amy has a new project which is to give listeners book recommendations if you're looking for a book set in indonesia or a book about bandicoots or a book about you love a bandicoot i do love a bandicoot or a book about vampires or anything in between send us a message and we by that i mostly mean amy will recommend a similar read you can add to your nightstand amy loves nothing more than to give book recommendations to people maybe even if they don't want them yeah usually if they don't want them here let me tell you something that will make your life more interesting better whatever you love you love to give your opinion But first, I want to mention that I don't know why I didn't say it last week when we were introducing our episode uh, with Jennifer Calogeras of Books Are My People podcast, but she and I will be doing an Insta Live on Monday, January 8th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And even if you don't watch it live, you'll still be able to see it in our Instagram feed. So tune into that. So Carrie... Mm-hmm. Did you get like a favorite gift over the holidays? No. If I had my druthers, I would not do a Christmas holiday. So I am anti all of it. Like for you to even ask me if I have a favorite gift, you know I don't. But what do you, what is your favorite gift? I know you have one. I do, but actually it was not a gift that I received. I mean, I got very nice gifts. I'm not saying that. But my favorite gift was actually a gift my husband received, which was a new pellet grill smoker. And he actually got it for his birthday, which is in December. But he got lots of accoutrements to this grill for Christmas. But what I love about it is that he is cooking. This is a man, I wouldn't say he doesn't cook, but for most of our marriage, his, you know, two things that he can do well are an egg cheese bagel sandwich mm-hmm. and he can make a grilled cheese and he can make a pot of chili uh, on a good day. Right. Those are the those are his three staples. Since he's gotten this pellet grill smoker, he's been grilling ribs. He's been smoking chicken. He's been smoking chicken wings. He's been smoking salmon. He's done baby back ribs, which were delicious. And so he has Mondays off. And so every Monday he has been making dinner and I love it. So that is my favorite gift. I didn't even know these things existed, but basically it's like a hybrid smoker grill. You put these little wood pellets in it and that's the smoker part but plug it in and it's electric. And so it helps it heat up faster to do the smoking. Whereas with, like with a regular smoker, it would take a long time for it to heat up, mm-hmm. but it could also be a grill. So that was my favorite gift. And, you know, if you uh, have a, a significant other that you'd like to have them cook more, maybe get them a pellet smoker. <laughs> well, 
I, I would like for my husband to cook more, but I don't, th- I think even if I got him one, I think even if I chained him to it, it still wouldn't happen. So I, I'm envious of you that you have somebody else in your house cooking because I would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. So he wanted this, right? I mean, it, this wasn't he a did. gift that was foisted upon him. It is a gift no. that he wanted. No, he picked it out. Yeah. He picked it out. But, but for Christmas, he got some little magnetic grill lights so that when he's grilling in the wintertime, oh, <laughs> you know, he can see better. He got an ash vacuum, which is basically just like a shop vac, but it vacuums up all the ashes oh my that goodness. it this produces. Sounds, this sounds very involved. I mean, I don't know. I don't do any yeah. of it. I so mean, I don't him, care I if guess. it's involved. Yeah. He enjoys it. You so. will buy him all the little toys if it will yes. make him keep using it. I get that. And exactly. Uh, oh, I'd also got it, got him a cookbook, you know, a wood pellet smoker cookbook. And in it, it showed a picture of a chicken leg hanger that you can put oh on your God. grill. And he got very excited about this chicken oh, leg hanger. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think this is like his new little toy, but that's okay. Uh, so I, since I have nothing to contribute on the favorite holiday gift thing, I will contribute this. We went to see a movie this week, the two of us, and then another friend from book club. And we saw Poor Things, which stars Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo. And it's based on a novel by Alistair Gray. And it was bizarro, but I sort of loved it. It was very strange. I mean, it's definitely an artsy Maybe I don't know if experimental is the right word, but, you know, it's it's playing with directing because parts of it were like in black and white and then parts of it are very zoom lens. I mean, you can tell that the director, I can't remember the director. He's he's Greek. Yorgos Lanthimos. Okay, there you go. Yorgos Lanthimos, that he's an artistic guy and you could see all that. The costuming was pretty interesting. Mm It was almost like if you took the some of the weirdness of Whoville, like it sort of had that it was like a real life Whoville, but like not comedic, you know, kind of like amped up and sophisticated. Uh, That's the only thing I can compare it to. But the topic is very much like a Frankenstein. If you crossed it with. Yes. If you crossed it with Madame Bovary. Yeah, because it's a li- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very it's a- sexy film. If if you don't like seeing parts <laughs> in in a film, you know, if 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 that makes you a little squeamish, this isn't for you. Then yes, but it I did I did enjoy it, but it is not you know it's not your normal blockbuster. Let's put it like that. Yeah, but yeah. I suspect that it'll get some Oscar nominations. Well, you know, you were talking about uh, Mark Ruffalo in it, and he plays this Lothario character. I mean, very different from what we've seen him in for years in like Marvel movies. And I actually saw a brief interview with him because you were saying, I didn't really expect that of him. But he was talking about that, that that was part of the reason he did it is because he's done Bruce Banner for so many years in the Marvel movies. like audiences expect that and it can make an actor lazy. Mm. Um, And I think that's true in anything, you know, you do something over and over and over again, you you've done it to the point where you can sort of call it in. You don't have to work that hard (laughs) to, to do it anymore. And so he said that he was kind of scared to do poor things because it was such a departure for him. But I thought he was really good. 
in it. It definitely good. was not the type of role he I think he's ever played before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like him as an actor and it surprised me. So, yeah. so if you're into artsy type of films that kind of push the button a little bit and maybe if you like, you know, the the whole Frankenstein story and want to mix it up with some sex, then see Poor Things. Hey, I found a new book podcast I've been digging. It's called NPR's Book of the Day. And one comes out every weekday. And you know how different NPR programs, sometimes they'll interview authors or talk about books. You know, maybe it's on Fresh Air. Maybe it's on All Things Considered. It could be on, you know, lots of different shows that they have. Well, this sort of takes those clips and it airs one a day. And so they're short, maybe somewhere between like seven minutes and 12 minutes long. So it's just like a little a snippet about a book, usually talking with the author about it. And what I like about it is, first of all, it's short. Did you ever buy any of those calendars that were like the tear off the page kind of calendars? You know what I'm talking about? Like I there was think- a page for each day. You would get them in all kinds of things. I think they still sell them. But, you yeah. know, it was like, you know, a, a cute cat picture every day and you would tear it off. You know, well, this mm-hmm. is like that, but audio and for books. So it's sort of like each day you're tearing off a page. You're, you know, you're hearing about how a long book. is it? How long is the episode? Like seven to 12 minutes long. The short. Oh, oh, so that would been, be doable. You know, you want to hear about, you know, one book a day. Very succinct, but engaging. I recommend it. NPR's Book of the Day. And I also found this Instagram, Facebook site. I don't know if it's on any other platforms. It might be on X or Threads or TikTok. I don't know. It might be on some of those other ones. I see it on Insta and Facebook, but it's called The Dogist, D-O-G-I-S-T. And it's this guy who is a professional pet photographer. And he's located in New York City. And Does he, he go wa- around and ask people to take pictures of their dogs? Yes, yes. Okay, I've seen that. So he walks around Brooklyn, New York, or whatever, and he'll see somebody with a dog, and he'll say, can I take a picture of your dog? And he takes lovely pictures of the dog, and then he asks about the dog's story and like what the personality of their dog is about. I'm sure he'd do cats, too, if people ever took their cats on a walk, <laughs> which they rarely do. <laughs> But I don't know. It makes me smile when I see them. These little pictures are are so cute. And it's fun hearing people talk about their dogs. Because you know I am a dog person. I know. <laughs> Until you're not. This little puppy that you're fostering is is taking a little bit out of you. She is. But she's so loving. It's hard to be upset with her. But she is <laughs> keeping me from my reading. I am so behind. It is January 7th. And I have not completed a book yet. In oh January, well, I you know. I mean I could I think I can just write off winning this year and the number of books <laughs> right now. Yeah, because like, she's going to be there for a, for another month or so, right? So like maybe a month. Yeah, Woo! yeah, yeah. I just forgot how time consuming a puppy is because they demand your attention and you kind of have to watch them all the time. <laughs> when we were no, we were having a meeting, weren't we? And we were yes, on Google. Google meet uh, and you were constantly like every couple minutes you were like no 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 because she was dragging something else out and I was just watching and chuckling to myself because like, you're like you stupid woman you stupid <laughs> stupid like, woman okay anyway it's fun for me to watch and enjoy and 
it's funny because we have a house full right now. So my son and my daughter-in-law are here for a week visiting. We didn't get to see them at Christmas. But when my son came in and saw that we had this fourth dog, although again, it's a foster dog. It's not our dog. But he said, mom, you need to stop it with the dog. <laughs> you know, three is like like a little crazy, but four yeah. just means you've got like a psychiatric problem. Yeah, you need to yeah, stop yeah. with the dog. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with dogs, but it is something that I found really funny. You were mentioning things on the socials. Uh, yeah. There is Il Galliano underscore special. Uh, Vamos Galliano. Anyway, it's... He does these videos of chickens and <laughs> puts them to music. And so the chickens yes. are kind of like pulsing to the music. And the reason I started even following whoever this person is, is because there are these women who like a split screen and the chickens are dancing to the music on one side. And then they kind of pull their hair up into like pebbles and bam bam type hairdos and they imitate the chickens and I have no idea why I like watching that so much but I guess the thing is even though I'm dreading going back to real life this week it's probably for everybody's benefit that I go back because this is what I'm reduced to watching chickens pulse to the music (laughs) that's what I'm watching smack McCraner is uh, the Instagram person who does these split screen uh, videos. But anyway, it's, I'm like, this is absurd. These women are dancing like chickens and yet I can't look away. I have to keep watching them. So I'm sure I've lost some IQ points over the the holiday break because this is what I'm doing. Watching well, this kind of nonsense. you know, it's not that much different from the dogist. We're we're always searching for things that will bring a little joy to our lives, and I don't see a problem with that. Well, I guess so. Since it's so gray and disgusting outside, you got You got to have something to to boost your mood. <laughs> well, you know, Mel and Dave, uh, we have known them for a couple of years now. Mel was on our show, and it was so fun to get to be on their show. And they're a nice talk- little mood booster. They certainly are talking about things that will bring a little joy to your day. They asked us to talk about a distraction of the week. And so both of us talked about something sort of like the dancing chickens and the dogist, but different (laughs) that bring a little joy to our lives. And so you'll get to hear us uh, talk about that. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode. Coming up playful, hopeful novel about the apocalypse. A classic piece of literature gets a beautiful makeover. Plus our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. Today we've got a special guest coming in to talk about her distraction of the week. Her name is Amy, and she's the co-host of the podcast, The Perks of Being a Book Lover. I love that show so much. First, It's hosted by two longtime friends who have very different opinions and approaches to things, Amy and Carrie. It's so much fun to listen to the two of them banter, and they're bantering about books, which is great. Second, they talk to all kinds of book lovers about their reading lives. The first episode I ever listened to featured a woman who runs a book club at the Louisville Zoo. Like, how cool is that? That's awesome. You know, I tried to call the Louisville Zoo once. On the telephone? Yeah, couldn't get through. 
The lion was busy. Oh, come on. You did not. <laughs> I heard that joke at a show in Disney World when I was about six, and it has stuck with me ever since. I'm glad that's the thing your brain remembers. <laughs> it doesn't even work anymore, right? Nobody under the age of 35 knows what a busy line is. Yeah, or a busy lion, yeah. whichever the case may be. And the, and the joke completely falls apart if you say, I tried to call the zoo, but I went straight to the voicemail of the lion. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Amy and Carrie talked to all kinds of people in the book trade, authors and bookshop owners. In a recent episode, they spoke to someone who runs a literary salon. In another, they talked to Andy Hunter, the CEO of bookshop.org. And they even talked to us a few weeks ago. I was just about to say they talked to all the cool people. And yeah. then you said they talked to us. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sometimes they let some other ones slip in. That's right. Occasionally standards drop. And there we go. <laughs> uh, we talked about books with a strong sense of library on their podcast. And it was a good time. It was really fun. Yeah. They're super fun to talk to about books. We will link to that in our show notes so you can listen to that conversation and you'll hear from Amy later in the episode. But first, we're going to talk about two new titles. Mel, what have you got? Here's something that people might not know about me. I think you probably know this about me, but Let's our listeners might not. As much as I like to pretend I have a black, black heart. Yeah. I am a sucker for a good love story. Yeah, I knew that. These are the kinds of books that have me like sniffling in bed on Sunday morning. That would be shocking if I didn't know that. <laughs> really? You're an old softy. Romantic at art, you say. <laughs> so I'm talking about couples like Jane and Rochester and Jane Eyre. Yep. Crowley and Aziraphale in Good Omens. Yep. The Count and Anna in A Gentleman in Moscow. That was a... A rough one. Right? Yeah. There's this particular melange of yearning and joy and heartbreak that is just so satisfying. Yeah. So I just finished reading Naomi Alderman's new book, The Future. And it is generally described as a techno thriller. And it is. Yeah. You don't get romantic soft love story out of a title like The Future. Okay. But this book has a breathless love story tucked inside its sci-fi heart. Really? And I was hooked from the first sentence. I can't say too much about the plot without giving away lots of yummy surprises. Okay. But I can tell you this. There's a group of techno billionaires and their seconds in command. Yep. And they all believe an apocalypse is coming. Okay. So they flee to their completely blinged out bunkers to survive the end of the world. Yeah. And then world-changing hijinks ensue. So it's a caper novel and a love story and a pretty harsh criticism of this social media-fueled world that we all live in. Yeah. You set up that premise, and the first thing I thought of was how horrible it would be to be in a post-apocalyptic service to Bezos, Zuckerberg, Musk. Yes. Yikes. Yes. Having said all of that, yeah. this novel is also refreshingly hopeful about how it might not be too late to turn this ship around if people started taking some dramatic steps. Naomi Alderman has become a must-read author for me. I've kind of been aware of her books now for probably a couple of decades. She's the creator and the writer of the exercise app Zombies Run, which is how I first learned about her. You know that app. Yeah, I do. I used that app for a, quite a while. It's um, 
sort of a simulation where you put on your your phone and you pretend you're being stalked by zombies and it, the production quality is really high and it like plays your own music along with the zombie hunting and all of that. It's, it's really fun. It's got a really, really good story going. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you literally get chased by a zombie and you need to sprint. Yes. So I, it's a really good workout. Too. Yeah. She also wrote the gripping novel, The Power. That one tells the story of an alternate world where young women suddenly acquire the ability to produce electric shocks. Right. They use these newfound skills to upset power dynamics around the world. Yeah. It's a really interesting look at what happens when you shift power to people who don't usually have it. Right. One of the things I really love about her writing is that she attacks these kind of big, unwieldy ideas like technology and patriarchy and power dynamics through really relatable characters and their relationships. So her stories kind of get you in the brain and the guts and the heart. Yeah, that's nice. When I was reading this book, The Future, it reminded me a little bit of Neil Stevenson's novels, Reemdi and Cryptonomicon. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she would think that's a compliment, but I 100% mean it as one. Yeah. And the thing that I thought was really cool is that it's kind of... For me, picking up the mantle from Neil Stevenson and updating it to the world that we live in now, because right. he wrote those books a while ago. Yeah. And she has centered women in her stories instead of dudes, which is really satisfying. If you want to hang out with some badass, intelligent women and you have a love-hate relationship with Twitter and Instagram, I recommend The Future by Naomi Alderman. It's out now. In 1972, Richard Adams released the book Watership Down. It is about fictional rabbits taking an epic journey to find a new home. And it might sound like a children's book. That was not Adams' intent. According to his daughter, he wanted to write a book that would be compelling for children who were almost too small to hold the book, up to adults who were almost too old to see the ink on the page. <laughs> That's a really sweet way to describe that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Watership Down went on to have enormous commercial success and critical acclaim, and there have been a bunch of adaptations. If you're my age, you may have been old enough to have been traumatized by the animated version that came out in 1978. I think I kind of remember that. Yeah, it was dark. <laughs> and you kind of get into it not expecting it to get quite that dark. And it does. Now there's a new version. It's a graphic novel, and it's beautiful. The art and the colors and the way the story is told on the page, they all add up to a really lovely retelling. The graphic novel is the work of two artists, James Sturm and Joe Sutphin. James Sturm is the founder of the Center for Cartoon Studies. Longtime listeners will know that I have a degree from that school, <laughs> so this is not an entirely unbiased promotion. <laughs> but still, James Sturm is a brilliant cartoonist and a lovely person, and I recommend you read his book. I fully endorse both of those statements, and we got to see a sneak peek of this book in his kitchen this summer. We did, yeah. It's really a stunner. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And Joe Sepin, his drawings will take you to the hill in Hampshire, England, where it all started. Did you know Watership Down is a real place? I did not. Yeah. Sturm and Sutphin both went there so they could capture the whole dynamic of the place. I wonder if they found any bunnies when they were there. Oh, I bet they did. If you are a fan of graphic novels or Watership Down or Charming Fables with Hidden Depth, take a look. It's the new graphic novel adaptation of Richard Adams' Watership Down. 
It's by James Sturm and Joe Sutton. And now our distraction of the week. We're here with Amy and Carrie from Perks of Being a Book Lover. So nice to see you guys. I know. It's been a while, but when we had Mel on the show, she was one of our favorite guests ever. We wish we could have talked to you too, David. But we got so Mel nice. and it, it was awesome. I mean, you awesome. definitely got the better half of that show. Oh, huh? stop. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, I understand you've got a distraction of the week for us. I do. I binged watched something last weekend. Netflix has come out with a um, four-part series of film shorts by Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, you know, he did The Royal Tenenbaums, he did The Grand Budapest Hotel, and his films have a, a certain style. Now, I'm not like a, a film connoisseur, so I'm not sure <laughs> that I can adequately describe exactly what his style is, but it's like, if you see it, you know it. Yeah. I think uh, it's but, called Weird. Weird? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Weird. To me, it always looks like a box of candy turned into people doing things like pastel colors and really adorable and quirky. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say whimsical, Mm -hmm. but I'd love Wes Anderson's. I do too. I I do too. So I was really excited when I saw that he was coming out with these four film shorts that are based on rolled doll short stories. And, you know, Roald Dahl wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Fantastic Mr. Fox and, you know, the witches, several other ones that we have heard of, but he wrote a lot of short stories. So I did my homework. I read these four short stories before I watched the, the, the film shorts. And there's four stories, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, the swan, poison, and the rat catcher. And all four of these film shorts have the same actors in them. It's uh, Rafe Fiennes. Actually, I think we all usually say Ralph Fiennes, mm-hmm. but he insists it's Rafe because apparently that is a very British way British. of saying Ralph, which I did not know until I looked it up the, this morning to make sure I was saying his name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been calling him that. Ralph Fiennes all this time. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I am. I and am. I agreed to do a podcast like with you. I know. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Okay, so Ray <laughs> Fines, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, and Rupert Friend. So, you know, there's some there's some big names in there. But these shorts, they felt more like small theater pieces that were filmed on a stage um, built for a movie set. So the sets mm-hmm. are somewhat sparse, but they feel like they're almost from a storybook world. Some of the props that they use are imaginary. So, um, you know, you have to just pretend like they're there. I mean, often like when I've gone to see uh, experimental theater, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes the characters will change their costumes while filming instead of off camera. And the characters are actually narrating the story to you while they're acting it out. So imagine being read a story at bedtime and you, the audience, are a part of it because they break the fourth wall quite a bit. The film shorts they follow the stories very closely, and I'll admit that some of the endings of the stories, though, were a little vague, and it left me with like that, hmm, I wonder what <laughs> what this all means. But it didn't really matter because I enjoyed the the spectacle of it. I enjoyed watching it, and it was sort of fun to afterwards ponder like what it all meant after I watched it. 
That sounds really fun. It was. And I, you know, it's funny because after I read those four, I, I had checked some books out of the library of Road Doll short stories, and I've read some more. And these are not my favorites that they picked to do these shorts. I'm sure there's a reason why they picked these particular ones. I'd like to hear more about why they picked these particular mm-hmm. ones. Um, but it didn't, it, it didn't mean that I enjoyed the shorts any less. So yeah. So that was my distraction of last weekend. I would like to say I watched them too, but I did not do all the preliminary homework that Amy (laughs) put on herself. I just watched them. (laughs) Did it stand up without the homework? Uh, Yeah, I thought they were good. Yeah, I enjoyed them. But I, you know, there was nothing for me to compare, contrast. I didn't do any Venn diagrams, nothing like that. (laughs) (laughs) No Venn diagrams on my part either. I just read this. (laughs) I just read the stories and they really followed them almost exactly. So there really wasn't much difference between the two. Seems like a fun project to read the stories and then watch them. It does. Yeah, I think, you know, I hope that they do more of these. Uh, because some of them were shorter, like maybe 17 minutes. The longest one was the Henry Sugar one. It was maybe like 35 minutes. But it's nice if you just like have a few minutes, like maybe you're eating lunch and you just want to watch a little something while you're, you know, eating. You can just sit down and watch it. And it's not a huge time commitment, but it's just like a little piece of art for your day. Nice. I recommend it. Roald Dahl has written short stories for children and books for children, of course, but he's also done some very adult stuff. I think when I was about 13, I found a book of his of adult short stories, and I started reading those, and I was like, oh, I am not the intended audience. (laughs) (laughs) Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more about the fantastic podcast, The Perks of Being a Book Lover, those Wes Anderson shorts we talked about, and all of the books we discussed today. Thank you for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. Coming up, a fun, fresh twist on the Golden Age detective story. A musician writes about the songs that moved him. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. First, a programming note. You won't hear from us next Friday. On November the 24th, we will be sleeping off our turkey and taking it easy. We absolutely will. Probably eating some apple cake when we wake up from our nap. Yeah. But we couldn't leave you entirely, so we will be re-releasing Mel's reading of the Thanksgiving story, Home for the Holidays. That will come out on Monday. It's a cozy little pre-dinner sofa sit for your ears. (laughs) And then second... Today, we've got a guest coming in to talk about her distraction of the week. Her name is Carrie, and she's the co-host of the podcast, The Perks of Being a Book Lover. You might remember that last week, we had her partner in crime, Amy, as our guest. And I hope that a bunch of you downloaded a few episodes of their podcast. If you haven't listened to Amy and Carrie yet, now is the time. Treat yourself to the perks of being a book lover. Last week, they did a show packed with reading recommendations for November, and I love how they categorize them. Each of them recommended books for Autumn, Native American Heritage Month, Diwali, Day of the Dead, and No Shave November. (laughs) That last one seems like a stretch. (laughs) You have to listen to the show and find out. Yeah. When did November get so busy? It used to be sort of a quiet little fall month tucked in between Halloween and the winter holidays, and now it's got like six jobs. (laughs) Be strong, November. (laughs) 
You are going to hear from Carrie later in the episode with a great distraction of the week. But first, we're going to talk about two new titles. Mel, what's your book this week? Way back in May, when it was still warm and sunny, we took a trip to Amsterdam to see a Vermeer exhibition and to shop in English language bookstores. All three of those things, Amsterdam, that exhibit, and the English language bookstores were all delightful. English was everywhere in Amsterdam. Yeah. And we were on our way to a bookstore and saw two more English language bookstores and then stumbled onto a street with a book fair of books in English. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Anyway, one of the books that I plucked off the bookshop shelf was The Three Dahlias by Katie Watson. And I have to admit, it was the cover that got me. It's got an illustration of a manor house with the tagline, it wouldn't be a country house weekend without a little murder. It is talking to you. It is. So I found a sunny window seat in the corner of the bookshop and I read the first few chapters and then I decided it was worth trying to smush it into my carry-on bag. We had overloaded carry-on bags coming back from Amsterdam. With like book-shaped bulges (laughs) poking out the sides. A little food, as I recall. (laughs) When we got home, I kind of forgot about that book until a few weeks ago when I was recovering from surgery and I went scrounging around my bookshelves for something fun to read. This was the perfect book to distract me, and I recommend it to anyone looking for a fun read that celebrates the tropes of manor house stories. There are long-held grudges, romantic rivalries, family secrets, and amateur detectives with moxie. Awesome. Here's the setup. Okay. In the 1930s, the author Latisse Davenport created a heroine called Dahlia Lively. Dahlia is beautiful, stylish, intelligent, and unflappable. In my imagination, she's a blonde version of Franny Fisher from Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Okay. And the author that created her is kind of like a fictional Agatha Christie. So this is all within the fiction of the book? Yes. Okay. When the story opens... Fans are gathered at the author's former estate for a glitzy convention. In attendance are three actresses who've played the detective Dahlia on screen through the decades. Oh, nice. Yeah, in the movie that played in my imagination while I was reading, they were Helen Mirren, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Boynton, all with British accents. Okay. On the convention's first night at a fancy dinner party, someone is poisoned... Just like a character in one of the Dahlia Lively stories. Our three heroines put aside their professional rivalries and team up to find the murderer. I really loved the contemporary setting merged with the tropes of a golden age mystery. I have zero secrets in my life, but I love a group of shady characters with secrets to hide. This book is The Three Dahlias by Katie Watson And it's the first in a trilogy, so if you like it, you can keep the fun rolling on. Jeff Tweedy is a singer and songwriter. He's probably best known for his work with the band Wilco. Do you ever have a band that it seems like you should like? (laughs) On paper, it looks good. They play in a style you like. Maybe they're local. They're about your age. They seem cool. But the music starts... And it just doesn't go anywhere for you. I kind of always felt that way about the Beastie Boys. Like, the Beastie Boys should really be my thing. Right. And I have affection for them, but I do not want to listen to the music. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me and Wilco. I should like them. I like (laughs) people who like them. But we just never quite see eye to eye. But Jeff Tweedy is a writer? That's a different story. 
I read his autobiography a few years ago, mostly because of that other stuff, local, cool, about my Mm -hmm. age. The book is called Let's Go So We Can Get Back. (laughs) I enjoyed his stories about struggling with being a working musician. And then he wrote a book about songwriting called How to Write One Song, Loving the Things We Create and How They Love Us Back. And he walks through how he does it, how he writes a song. He talks about the creative process, and he gives you exercises for working on songs, and he talks about wrestling with writer's block and worrying about whether you're any good and all the other demons that come along with making anything. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely recommend that book. If you've got someone writing music in your life, that would be a fantastic gift. And now Tweety has a third book, and it's called World Within a Song, Music That Changed My Life and Life That Changed My Music. In this, he introduces a bunch of songs that mean something to him. He starts with Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. And ends with The Staple Sisters and I'll Take You There. And along the way, he talks about a whole lot of great music. Some of it will probably be new to you. Some of it might just be someone saying, you know what's great? Otis Redding sitting (laughs) on the dock of the bay. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Shocker. Yeah. (laughs) Try to have another opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Otis Forever. Yeah. In this book, he walks through his relationships with different songs and talks about how that opinion has changed over time and why. He spills some music history and some personal history. And in the end, it feels like flipping through his record collection over a beer or two and getting some solid stories. If you want to toughen up that impression, he narrated the audiobook. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. You could download that and flip between the audiobook and Spotify and make a very pleasant couple of nights out of it. That is Jeff Tweedy's World Within a Song. And now our distraction of the week. We're here with Amy and Carrie from Perks of Being a Book Lover. Gary, I understand you have a distraction of the week for us. I do. So I saw this, uh, I think it was on uh, BBC on Facebook, a news report that a baby beaver was born in London. And it's the first baby beaver born in London in something like 400 years. Wow. Which I found super exciting. You know, I've been to London. But I don't live there. I don't live anywhere close to there. But I have a thing about wildlife. And so apparently this particular, I guess it's a neighborhood council, uh, began London's beaver reintroduction program in 2022 to bring beavers back to the capital. And so obviously it's having some success because people spot it. And there's even a photo of this little beaver who looks like he's got some algae on his face. It's a very distinctive (laughs) picture of uh, said beaver. But I I found it fascinating. I sort of love little, you know, little nuggets of weird that that pop across, you know, Facebook or Twitter or X or whatever it's called today. But uh, the reason this I found this so appealing is because I recently found a book. I haven't read it yet, but I really want to. And you're going to you're going to see where this is going. I mentioned this on our show, but it's called the book that I discovered recently. It's called Beaverland, how which could be X-rated <laughs> if you just stop there. <laughs> but there's a subtitle, so it's Beaverland: How One Weird Rodent Made America by Leila Phillip, and it was published in 2022 and is now on my TBR list because I just I need to know more about beavers. And between seeing the book. And now this report about London beavers, 
I'm like the the world karma is telling me <laughs> that that this is the time. I really need to investigate more. Did they say why they wanted them in London specifically? Because it seems like I can see maybe like in the suburbs or a little farther out, but wh- why I, in London? I think so, you know, London is just there's a lot of concrete which right. impacts flooding. It makes flooding worse. Okay. So if they have some beavers that are sort of making dams and you know, I haven't read the book, so I don't know exactly what beavers do, but I assume that it, it has benefits for the ecosystem. So I assume that that's why they want to reintroduce them because of flooding issues, which would be worse in the city than maybe in some of the rural areas. That so. makes sense. When we did our episode about London, Dave talked about just the menagerie that used to be in London during the 16th and 17th centuries, I think. Yeah, the Tower of London used to have a lot of animals that were gifted to the royalty there. And one of the things they had was a polar bear. And I remember to... listening to this episode and thinking, that's bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and the poor, lonely polar bear going down to the river to catch a fish. Yeah. And the poor guy who was hired to walk him out there. <laughs> Hope that goes well. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more about the excellent podcast, The Perks of Being a Book Lover, The Beavers of London, and all the books we talked about today. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. 